0: Well, hello, Terrible Warriors. Welcome back to another Session Zero. I'm, of course, Justin Eacock, and I'm really glad to have you back with us. Last time we did Session Zero, we spent some time with the Klingon Empire and Star Trek Adventures, and today we're going a little bit more grounded. We're returning back to Earth, and we're having a look at Cyberpunk Red... And before we get further into that, let me introduce you to my friends who are joining me who have made their characters and are going to introduce them to you very shortly. First, uh, returning from our Klingon episode, it's welcome back, Velvet Duke.
1: Thank you very much, Justin. I'm looking forward to, uh, to getting into my cyber head on this.
0: Yeah, this was this was a very different experience than Star Trek. I think also you and I know the Star Trek universe quite well. And for both of us, this was uh, a new setting. So there was also a little bit of that adjustment to the language, the lingo, the, uh, the feel of the game. It was very different.
1: Absolutely agree. I, I did play uh, Shadowrun when it first came out. So for me, this is like, oh, I return to this kind of world uh, and also this game style very different
0: yeah yeah very different and we'll get into that shortly and you haven't been on in a very long time but you have been helping support us behind the scenes uh, since really the beginning of the show welcome back to the program brendan fry of comics and gaming magazine
2: hello there happy to be here
0: yeah and it was one of those cases where i asked if you wanted to show up and you said yes how crazy that is <laughs> and uh, how was this like your your like uh, just just surface impressions with the cyberpunk game because the few games I, I mean the one game that you played with us on the mm-hmm. podcast if we want to go way back into history was palladiums after the bomb right. that was way crunchier than this game so this was different but how well do you know the cyberpunk world or is it really just from the exposure for the video game
2: it's exposure for the video game i did some research just because i had did some articles about that game and i kind of knew about this world this is the first time actually diving in to the tabletop experience, but it it was much simpler than I expected, and I did have to make my character sheet twice, so that says something.
0: So the TLDR actually uh, surprised you a little bit, just as we were prepping before we hit record, was uh, Cyberpunk Red is a, a sequel to the Cyberpunk 2020 property that was just put out this previous year. Cyberpunk Red was created as kind of a narrative bridge between the original Cyberpunk 2020 and the new video game, Cyberpunk 2077. And so Red takes place in the 2040s, like the mid-2040s, at a time after the Fourth Corporate War. It's called Red because uh, after a series of orbital bombardments from the moon and a pocket nuke that went off in the center of Night City, destroying the corporate center of the town, the sky across the world for a couple of years has been tinged with a very... Uh, ominous red glow and it lasts for about four to five years, uh, and uh, and then for decades after, the sunsets are much more vibrant. But it was from all the radiation and the debris and and all the, the climate change and everything that was going on on the planet actually affected the atmosphere. And so this is just known as the time of the red. And that's that's where the setting of this game is. And there's a, there's a whole lot of other backstory. If we've got time for it after we talk about character creation, uh, we might dive a little bit into that. But that's kind of the TLDR of, of what Cyberpunk Red is and how it fits in. It is tied in loosely to the 2077 video game and the 2020 tabletop game. And they're designed to kind of bring both of those worlds together to explain how the world has changed and adapted to get ready for for the game launch, essentially, of 2077. So that's where we're at. Now, before we met, uh, all three of us have made our characters, just like in our last Session Zero. And we're going to take a little moment to introduce you to our cyberpunks of Cyberpunk Red, and what they do and and how they ended up in this world. And then after we're done talking about our characters, we'll break it down on what was this process like for us? Was it enjoyable? Was it difficult? Is this a game we would like to keep playing? Is this a world we would like to keep exploring? And then if we've got a little bit more time, we might just talk about Cyberpunk in general, because it's kind of a big thing right now. So... Before we started, we 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 kind of predetermined our 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 order of character creation and I will now hand the floor over to you Velvet Duke to introduce us to your cyberpunk.
1: Thank you very much. I had fun with this template and and figuring out who I was going to be. Unlike some of the other games where we've played where there's a randomized uh, aspect to who you might be, this one you get to choose what your role is. And, uh, and so I went, what, I ha- what haven't I played yet? So let me introduce you to Patchwork. I am a med tech. I am a surgeon. I am a good surgeon. Uh, I am a good surgeon despite the fact that I grew up in the bottom rung of society. I, I, I grew up in tube three on the eastern side, and uh, my parents tried to do their best to raise us, but my mother was very sick, and my father was very overworked. So I really ran in the streets and, uh, and picked up whatever skill and uh, ability I could to survive. So I, I grew up knowing street-speak in Finnish, but uh, I also picked up a, a smattering of English and, and also learned how to lip-read because uh, it turns out you can save your bacon a lot if you can uh, get that advanced warning from others on the street. Uh, because I've lived on the street, of course, I hate almost everyone. Everyone promises a good deal, but the uh, reality, they're just out for themselves. But as much as I hate everyone, I, you know, my parents were so much about love and, and keeping together as much as possible. So I have this bohemian side to me that really comes across in how I dress Um, I try to be rebellious about it, but my rebelliousness still ends up being in favor of helping people. So I became a surgeon, I became somebody trying to first solve and save my mother. And then that ended up being saving my friends on the street. And and then eventually, you know, I need to make some more money for the supplies I need to get into the market. So, so I started hooking, getting, getting jacked. The the person who I looked up to to the most, who I thought had the most not integrity, I don't know if that's even a word I believe in so much, but they became the most valued person to me and they were they were known as rebel hero rebel hero <laughs> rebel healer number two. And they, you know, I had like this, there were sketches of them on the walls kind of pointing out where they would be certain days, and they held up in one hand as a sign of freedom and rebelliousness a vibro scalpel. So that's what I have for myself. As soon as I got my hands on one, that's what I that I have as my own little L- emblem as well. I really, when it comes down to it, I, I don't care about having more cyber tech or, or more of any of those things. I really just want to be known as the Rebel Healer of Tube 3 following in the footsteps of, of that rebel, but also remembering the roots of where I have come from. So any fame and recognition that I get is going to try and uplift, so fewer people have to live on the streets like I did. Now, of course, I have I have a friend. I have somebody who I, I call to, who I rely on, and, <clears throat> and their name is Jaded. They uh, they get me supplies uh, from the markets from the street wherever they get it from. I don't ask questions, but I, I very much appreciate it. And you know I help them out as well. Uh, I did have an ex. I had a lover. Uh, we were very tight. Uh, their name was Manya. And, uh, and we th- I thought they were the one who would be there by my side forever and ever. But when they asked me to help them with their mechanical heart and, and I performed a surgery and it caused more problems, I literally broke their heart and it tore us apart uh, but you know they have this hold over me if they ever forgave me and took me back I, I don't know i would i would do anything to win them back they are more likely to see when they see me to verbally attack me and, and to bring down my reputation every chance that they get understandably uh and you know I, I should probably just erase that move on but i i can't my clients uh for the most part are other people in the street there there are people who are going out trying to fight the system and, and I do what I can to uh, to patch them up again or to connect them with others through the night markets the equipment that I have uh, I mean it's not state of the art but I'm really comfortable with them I'm really good with them uh, I'm not willing to do any runs just for equipment but uh, I do have my eye on things there's There is one thing that I I got that was just for me. This was, it it cost me a a pretty penny for it, but I have a light tattoo. And this one is of the staff of Hermes, an old-fashioned icon, a a, a caduceus. It is snakes wrapped around a medical pole and... uh, I, any surgery that I have to have done on myself will never be allowed to be done in any area where I have that tattoo, and I have other tattoos that are uh, that represent each of the lives that I have saved. I, uh, I I've talked about you know my medical skill, the other things. I I, um, I, I am not a fighter. So I will always seek out people who can do things like, uh, you know, like fight the brawling or or the martial arts or anything like that. I will have those people around me as much as possible. That's who I'm seeking out. If I have to put my trust in somebody, they better be effective in those physical skills. And that's, uh, that's what I'm willing to share today about patchwork. Uh,
0: that's patchwork. And you know, you need to know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. When people need patching up, I know a guy who knows a guy. And I'd like to introduce you to my character. Guys, I was listening to your story and everything started like, well, this is why we work together. You're so idealized. You've got this whole vision of like the world before the red, before, before everything flatlined into the world we've got right now. Uh, you still believe in the Good in people, and I guess you need that bedside manner if you're gonna be a doctor. Even though you're some shady back alley surgeon who's maybe using you know equipment that's 30 years past their warranty date, you don't act like it, you keep everything clean, and I like that. I like that in you. And my name is Axis, and I'm a fixer. A fixer isn't someone who just simply gets you a job, doesn't just work as an agent, doesn't just find you what you're looking for. Heck, sometimes a rocker boy is just looking for a show to do. They're going to come to me and I'm going to hook them up with a good gig. It doesn't all have to be seedy, back alley, black market, behind the scenes. It had to be, I guess. I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. I could set you up with that. And so Access, uh background is a nomad, not from Night City grew up out in the wastelands and with that though one of the, i i i rolled randomly with the life path creation just to see what kind of story would come out of that and one of the interesting bits is a uh, family background was a nomad pack but my childhood environment was living in a megastructure and how did those two things come together until i rolled up the family crisis that the family had vanished So the way I see it as a child living out there with the nomads, at the time of this world, it seemed that the nomads were working a lot as like caravans that were transporting goods and information and people between a lot of the collapsed cities of the former United States and uh, between all the free states of America after the fourth corporate war. Life was not easy. Uh, There was a failed attempt to rebuild Chicago, uh, viruses and uh, uh, pandemics, uh, a ravage the world. And so the nomads took on a lot of role of transporting both people, food, equipment, anything that needed to be moved from one place to the other. That might have been what my family was doing as well. Until one day as a child, uh, returning to camp, they were all just gone. And very shortly after I was picked up by uh, uh, corporate squads never knew their names never even knew what corporation they were from their patches were covered over their logos were redacted and i was brought into an old agricultural mega building uh, it's not used for food anymore but it's one of these super tall uh, uh oh what's the terms um uh these like arco towers these big super mega structures and in them were all these other kids from all these other nomad packs all just kind of brought in and trained and taught to fight. And they were going to become more corporate soldiers that would continue to fight these endless proxy wars out there in the wastelands. Uh, until Access is clever. I became a fixer for a reason and was able to escape from that. Either paid someone off or found something to blackmail them with or just got old enough and snuck away and uh, ended myself up in Night City. The only thing I've got from my Nomad pack is this jacket that I wear. It's my most valued possession. It's an old uh, 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 patchwork collection of, like, leather and and, and, and and different materials. But I keep it. It's my signature piece. And uh, and that also hides all the other equipment I've got underneath me. Uh, I've got some cyberware, mostly cyber audio, and a nice little subdermal pocket if I need to hide something. And uh, in terms of some of the other background stories that Fixer got... Uh, he apparently's got a friend as a coworker. Didn't figure too much far on that, uh, but I maximized by uh, by background stories on tragic love affairs. And uh, you roll a ten, you, you you minus seven, and that's how many tragic love affairs you've had. So I rolled a ten. So. One of them isn't alive anymore. Another cut me out of the action, and a third I think went cyber crazy. Uh, they took too much cybernetics. Uh, they suffer from cyber psychosis. They might still be out there in Night City, completely separated from their former humanity. And so, uh, Fixer is a an interesting fella. Uh, Fixer in any other game would be the NPC contact that you would be going to, and yet here I am playing them as a as a my, as a main character. So they're they're getting into the action, and I think the what happened to their family, how. They vanished, where they went, um, the people that picked them up. Uh, he's full of these conspiracy theories of the mega corporations and what they're doing outside of Night City and inside of Night City. And he is positioned himself as a fixer to keep his ear on the pulse of the city around him. And whenever he gets a little bit more information to find out about who or what happened to that family. Uh, He takes that job himself personally, and he heads on out. Uh, And uh, that might be along the way why we know that Access and Patchwork work together, because he definitely would have clients who would come his way who need a discreet doctor to help patch things up. But also, Access knows a whole lot of information and is more than happy to become an informant for one of the most trusted names in news. Isn't that right, Brendan?
2: That is. um, So I'm playing a character called Revo, randomly picked that name doesn't really mean anything uh so this is an interesting character because i did the same thing justin did where i did to just kind of roll for my entire life story but it seemed to kind of flow together other than my family crisis because that makes no sense for what i happened um so grew up uh, with kind of a corporate lifestyle middle class corporate lifestyle family did kind of had a safe space in the suburbs 1980s looking suburbs everything's great and at some point my family was in prison and i escaped don't know how that happened but it did Uh, but uh, clearly uh, Revo took the life lessons from that a little bit differently from everyone else and believes hey corporations are great I have to be on that side Uh, rather than hating them just kind of just going fully into that you
0: uh, given our ages and where yeah. things happened you could have been imprisoned right around the time that johnny silverhand blew up a pocket nuke above night city oh there you go and and in and in that moment the center of night city was obliterated half a million mm. people were killed another half a million people died in the years afterwards but that explosion could have happened if you're in something more like an inner city prison, mm. you could have been within that blast zone, but the heavy fortifications of the prison could have saved you, and you just walked away. Yeah. Uh, presumed dead like all the others who died in the explosion. Mm.
2: And uh, my life... If you're okay,
0: that as a GM, that would be one of the things I might offer to,
2: to workshop something for you. That sounds great, because you, like, To make it all make sense, but I, I also... the. Uh, my definitely my life uh, goals at that point of just basically purely selfish uh fame and recognition getting anything i can at any at any cost the friends i have are purely for common interests and uh, people are tools and my only goal <laughs> in life is knowledge this all flows together in a weird way but it does um and my even my personality is intellectual and detached; just do not care so it really works with this kind of ruthless street scribe kind of uh, character that I've created here. Uh, oh
0: yeah, I didn't get into my, my stats. Uh, uh, Access's maximum status is intelligence, but his mm-hmm. lowest are uh, reflexes, tech, cool. Uh, body is his dump stat. So this guy really? is squishy, and it's all about knowing when and where and being one step ahead of everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a lot of luck, though, so he, he seems to always seem to scrape himself out of situations he should have no business getting out of
2: nice i I have a lot of empathy for whatever reason is that emp is empathy right yeah empathy
0: doesn't necessarily mean you're empathetic oh good because i do not sound empathetic at all empathy stat if we look through the different empathy stats uh they're all like your social stuff like being Mm -hmm. able to perceive interrogate negotiate uh your empathy would be you could you could like it, it, by this de- de- definition hannibal Lecter would have a very high empathy stat because uh, you can get into the heads of people you understand empathy even if you're not empathetic it doesn't yeah, have to be a good not sound thing. empathetic at all <laughs> no he sounds just just on one side of of of, of sociopathic
2: it really does it, it it's it's interesting because uh just by rolling everything at all kind of flowed that way and i don't know how your
0: empathy all... the empathy that you have is the kind of thing where when you walk into a room and you say something mm-hmm. people believe you right they believe anything you say you went in to become a media but you could also have been a cult leader real right. quickly right like you're you have a, a a social still called conversation and with empathy that high uh when you roll conversation you i know have a have a role where there's a three out of 10 chance that anything you say people will believe you
1: <laughs> right whatever
0: it is which is real fun like you can it, it people like to hack the net and they like to hack cyberware you hack minds and people right
2: i think that's that's uh, it and just the way it all kind of worked out really worked well for this character i have to say the um, system made that fun let's go with that
0: yeah and so this was different just because last time we did session zero we did klingons and 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 velvet was there for me and they both did a system called life path character creation it's like oh that's interesting they're both called life path they couldn't be more different though could they velvet
1: this uh this was like that if you're a statistician you will love this system
0: the character sheet feels very overwhelming at first when you open it up there's a lot going on there now To their defense, the fillable PDF, a lot of it is filled in automatically as you fill in stats, but it is a lot going on here. Uh, But the life path character creation, finding out that my character is South American and likes to wear leisure wear, has long and ratty hair and values money and feels neutral towards people, like none of that informed anything on the first page of my character sheet.
1: Uh, Yeah, it didn't feel like it mattered.
0: The it, Well, it does in that it only, it, but it matters only to your character's story and their origins and maybe their motivations. And if you're looking for prompts to role play with. One thing I admired with Modiphius's take on the life path creation in Star Trek is that it did that, but it also did stats at the same time. So, when you found out what kind of childhood you had, it would then give you numbers to specific stats. So, they, they, they synergized quite well. Whereas my stats and my background story in this game are quite independent from each other. And they're only connected in my own mind, however I want to BS how they're connected. But they're, one does not have to inform the other. Does that make any sense?
1: I agree. I, I did I did find because in this system you are allowed to go through and pick which you have a certain um skill pool of points that you can uh put into whatever skill. So I was able to shape it. In a, in a way that I found in, in the Modifius system, I didn't need to do that work. It was already being shaped as I created. So this one, I could cherry pick the things that is like, well, this already feels like it fits the premise. That I'd I've hand set it, though,
0: the life path page on this character, finding out your aliases, your cultural origins, how many friends you've got, how many tragic love affairs you've had, what enemies you've got out there. That's all fodder for a GM. And if you give them just that page, they don't have to look at the stats side. They can just have that. And they're like, all of a sudden, they've got a social web of NPCs and backgrounds. They know which corporations you care about, and which ones you're out to stop. And it gives you a lot of fodder to create new stories in that the life path in Star Trek forgets about. Once character creation is done, the life path part of your character kind of evaporates into the ether. Whereas the feeling I think in Cyberpunk Red is that they really want the life path to matter to your character's motivations, even if they didn't matter to the actual creation of the character sheet.
1: I agree with that. Uh, I, I, I do remember in Modiphius, even some of the language tells you that that life path was this was your life before. Yeah, you entered Starfleet. This is you know while you were there, and now here's your today version. So it it does leave it behind in a lot of ways, and and the character sheets didn't really have a, a spot for it. it, or rather, it was buried into or steeped into the skills that you ended up with, or or the talents, etc. So I I I am not saying that the difference here with cyberpunk isn't uh, it's I, pros I, I and cons. I enjoyed it. One is it better it. than I, the other. They're just different philosophies. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the uh, the tragic lover. Uh, I mean, uh, that one I might o- open oh, up. good to melodrama. Be, you know, your
0: character, you yes. you seem to really narrow in on the melodrama <laughs> of your character. You were just a walking soap opera. It was great.
1: Well, so w- when I created this, I also I literally just did uh, you know the wizard's uh, dice roller, and I let the dice inform a lot of the choices. But then I went back and I, I added that flavor text. Yeah, you grew it a it, bit more, yeah. It just said ex lover and what happened. It was like, well, someone. I changed the what happened a little bit, yeah, uh, because because I had allowed the dice to dictate so much. I went, you know what? I'm going to just tweak this a little bit to make it so that it's me. Like, what did I do? Yeah, to and impact? and in
0: play, like I might not have names on my love affairs or on my friends or my enemy. I didn't mention my enemy, but someone deserted me and they don't have anything to throw at me. It's just them and they're going to come at me with a murderous rage, and so this used to be someone who worked for me. And I think it was someone who's trying to figure out, like they were also from a nomad who had a vanished family. And now they're just kind of like my Dio and Jojo. And they're just constantly showing up and just hunting me down. Like they just (laughs) show up whenever the GM wants to like play a hard move against me. They can just bring this character. I didn't assign any names to them, but they could be assigned in game. Um, I don't think Access even remembers who these love affairs names were. Uh, and, I, you know, like, but it's this idea that Axis is such a, uh, a like, inflated opinion about himself that he picked that handle because w- if you tilt the axis, you change the world, right? It's this whole, like, that's where he, he sees himself as like the center of everything now, right? He's an information broker. He's people who comes to them for jobs and for as an agent. So, so it also means he is aware of so much more, which also in in a world of cyberpunk puts a lot of targets on his back now. he probably knows way more than he should. And that's only a matter of time for someone then comes to like clear things up. Now, Brendan, you had an issue where right before we were to record today, your PDF vanished and you created true. a new yep. character. So you got the experience of creating a fast down and dirty character where the game session has already started and you have to kick something really quickly. So yep. <laughs> that's actually a really good litmus test for a character creation. What was it like where you're like, oh, I've got 15 minutes to make a character from scratch?
2: I think it worked really well. I mean, there's a few sections that we uh, were, as we were talking, as I was going over the thing, like the, the placement of all the skills and stuff. I wish that was organized as it is in the sheet just to make life easier uh, beyond that the process of just like picking your story rolling it all out uh, sorting it all out they, they, the um, creation is very easy very intuitive and it lets and, and as you guys were saying it allows a bit of uh, ability to create the flavor text that makes it all make sense because it is just so vague enough that you can kind of riff off it easily
0: yeah and you could use it too if you're generating npcs mm-hmm. as a gm you could run through just that life path thing things just to really quickly like Someone's walking up to you and they don't really matter. You haven't written them in advance. So you could just right. really procedurally generate someone and, exactly. uh, and, and spit them out. And uh, yeah, like we glossed over some of the finer details, like on terms of exactly what kind of weapon and armor you've got. But that's stuff that also could just be assigned in right. play. Be like, you have a heavy pistol and we'll worry about the details later. You'll start with like this amount of money that you can go shopping with. Right. It is a very crunchy game. This yeah. is uh just looking at the character sheet two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen. 10 12 14 16 there's like uh, how many how many skills would you say are on this on this character page
2: Oh 60 at least
0: Yeah it's it's a lot it's very small text like you you have uh 3 6 uh not you have 10 stats you have then broken down into uh, geez, uh, more than fifty different individual skills that are just listed on your character sheet. Uh, then you've got your weapons and armor on your second page. You got your life path, your background, and then a place for where all your gear goes. And then on the third page is your cyberware, and your cyberware gives you like a skeleton of your body and like where your eyes, your arms, your neural link, your legs, so you can like see where all the cybernetics are connected into your into your body, which is kind of neat. It, it kind of plays like a paper doll in a in a in a like in the video game, uh, something like Diablo, right? Where you would open up your inventory in the menu and it's all in there, but it, 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 is a, it is a lot. And mercifully, the game rules do allow for a template option where you can just pick a series of pre-generated options or you can roll for a series of more flexible options. Or if you really want to get into it, you can just buy them all individually. If you were to do that, you would actually spend an entire four-hour session zero creating your character before you even start the game. And a part of it is, I get it, Cyberpunk 2020 was written in 1984, and it was written at a time pre-video games as we know them, where you could not simulate and calculate and generate a game like this um, on a, on a, on a, on a a PC. I mean, there were a couple of examples where you tried to do that, but it never really got a lot unless it was entirely text-based, in which case it was even less accessible than tabletop (laughs) gaming. And, uh, and it certainly wasn't multiplayer in the way that a tabletop game is. And so when you're taking a property like that and you're bringing it up to the modern day with Cyberpunk Red, you're going to bring a lot of that along with you because those old players are expecting that right like there's that that's kind of the dna of the game and all of these skills that we see here on this character sheet i fully expect if i ever play the video game are in the video game they're just all in a tab that you don't have to check out because it's all handled automatically for well, you i
2: mean a lot of these things even just playing the video game a lot of these things are in the straight up the game there's are you can go you dive into your different skills and you can yeah see you have all this sort of- cool stat you have yeah. the body stat yeah no, and you have your like, yeah, You go to the body stat, and in the body stat, you have all these different stats in there. So it does give you the granular things. If you and you're going to need yeah. to go into that and actually dig into that to make it a proper character in the game.
1: For me, yeah. it comes down to how do you like to play these kind of games? Yeah. And yeah. when I say statistician off the top, like this is, there's so much library science in this, in this rule book. It's like a, how you like to go through this information. As you say, you're, you're penalized if you either don't have the attentiveness or the time to really deep dive into these things. But there are people who that's what they live for. And it's not about min-maxing necessarily. It's just about like, I want to develop the Utmost For sure. nuance from this rule and that rule, and and, now, and see what that feels like.
0: I have yet to play Cyberpunk, the tabletop game, but um, both Velvet and I, and I don't know about you, Brendan, we've played Shadowrun.
2: I've not played Shadowrun. You keep uh, trying to get me in one of those Shadowrun games and I never make it. Shadowrun is really tough to play. It's
0: very, yeah. very crunchy. It's, depending on the edition you're playing, the 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 actual math, especially when you get into magic, gets incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've been told the most recent edition is much more accessible. Because it has to be. I don't want to be doing algebra when I'm running a game like you this. Really? Like, I wanna, Justin, what's wrong with you? Come on. Well, for me, like... <laughs> Like I know that's a joke, but also like it becomes like, what are you playing the game for? And I have played with players and all the power to them who want to play a simulation game with numbers and stats and crunch and, and, and do the experience and the loot and, and build things up. And they want to spend more time in the numbers than they do in the actual story. For me, I've, I came into playing rpgs through an improv group where the story was what i was there for and and the the character sheet is a reference that i can go to when moments of chance come up and the problem the fear i've got with a character sheet like this where i've got criminology as one skill and cryptography as another skill and deduction as a third Mm -hmm. skill that if i don't have a skill number in one of those like my criminology I might play a game for six months and never use that skill unless I have a GM who is specifically creating a situation for me to be able to use the skills on my sheet. And I found that a lot in Shadowrun that has a very similar spread of, of skills like this that go all the way out. And it happens in, in, in Dungeons and Dragons as well, even though those skills tend to be admittedly more generalized. You end up having skills on your sheet you never use. And compared to Next weekend, I'm playing a powered by Apocalypse cyberpunk genre game called The Sprawl, where you have four stats. That's it. That's that's your entire character sheet is figured out, and you've got a couple of moves along the way, but they're not broken down into all of those different skills. Like if I need to see if I can pilot a sea vehicle, I can just look to a skill and see if like does this fit with my background, and the GM can yay or nay it. And and these things can be negotiated in the moment on whether or not it is fair for me to be able to do that kind of thing. And again, a fear I've got in a character sheet like this is that if I don't have forgery figured out in advance in my technique skill and then further down the game, we end up playing a noir scenario where I need to forge information and create fake IDs, my character ends up not being prepared for the situation unless I created this character with that situation in mind in advance. Like I need to be tipped off on what the scenario is going to be, which is frustrating because Access as my fixer, the background character history we've got is he is supposed to be very adept and very adaptable and always one step ahead of people. But if my character sheet has me one step behind what the GM is doing, does that make sense? Like my character ends up not being as professional as they're written to be. And as a player... I am not as professional as my character. Access knows more about this world than I do. And I would hope that the character sheet could help reflect that and help me as the player survive navigating through this world because Access knows more about it than
1: I do. And as you say with the negotiation, like if, if you're constantly trying to play in a way to get your skills highlighted or used in a game, and D&D did the same thing where you're constantly having to try and twist and bend to make it work. Uh, you end up playing to the page instead of playing to the story and to each other. And and again, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it per se, but I, I feel like a sheet like this ends up being a, a yeah. limiter rather than an enhancer of the story.
0: I will say, if you're a fan of the cyberpunk world, and uh, let's say you're interested in knowing more about the background before the events of the video game, or you knew the original tabletop and you want to see what happened after the events of the tabletop from the 80s, there, the second half of this book is all lore and it's all like cyberpunk is not our future it's actually an it's more like fallout in that it's a divergent alternate history that in the late 80s early 90s things start going differently and by the time you get to their version of 2020 Soviets still exist. They're now neo-Soviet. Uh the United the European Space uh, Defense or the Space Agency is like the most powerful space force in the world and they have these mag drivers on the moon that could just launch rocks onto the planet that are really more powerful than a nuclear attack. Uh Africa as a continent, has now turned into this like kind of cyberpunk Wakanda that is the center point of all space technology and affairs. Almost every employee in the cyberpunk universe who is working in space is from one of the Pan-African nations. And they have existed with a defense network around their continent that has relatively sheltered them from all of the horrors of the world elsewhere as the U.S. and Soviet collapsed and Japan kind of took over the tech world and Europe is now the dominant economic force, like the euro dollar is the currency in this game. The African nations in cyberpunk are uh, isolated completely from that, existing in this like utopia, surrounded by dystopia. And you don't see any of that when you're playing Cyberpunk because the because the whole game takes place in Night City. But, but I mean, you do. It's kind of neat to read about like where all these characters
2: are coming from. And, I mean, you, and, do see, you do see a lot of that stuff in the especially in the video game about like the corporate world is not necessarily run from the U.S. It is run from like Japan or it is run from Europe, and it, you do kind of get that aspect where uh, there there is so many different forces at play that are not in night city and night city is more of just kind of the down and dirty where this is all kind of taking yeah. place but the actual outside world is so much more corrupt so much more manipulative and is kind of acting on the city of night city rather than in the city of night city
0: like the original tabletop had uh interesting gangs one of them were called poser gangs and these were gangs who used cyberware to change themselves to look like a particular person like there was the Kennedy gang and all they do every single one of them is design themselves to look like John F. Kennedy right or or, or there's like a, a Marilyn Monroe poser gang uh, there's a Johnny Silverhand poser gang and they all just look like one celebrity and that's their whole gang shtick uh, but then there was also uh, I know this was very much changed in the video game but the original gang in the tabletop the voodoo gang were written as white Americans who had appropriated Haitian culture okay. and turned themselves into the voodoo gang but the whole point of how they were written was they were the cultural appropriation gang that's what right. they had done and and that was like a key point of that gang's um purpose in the game and in the original cyberpunk setting from the 80s it was this idea of like america doesn't exist yeah. at all anymore it has completely collapsed the states have collapsed the cities have collapsed and even the culture has collapsed and has become this like culture vacuum that in night city now you have languages from all over the world you have every single character speaks a different language from their own home uh, that they learn as well as street slang like this mm-hmm. common language that they all s- uh, talk about in-, in public and then you have all of these gangs that None of them are American gangs anymore. None of them are American corporations or American culture because American culture as itself has just been completely consumed by the rest of the world. And there's nothing left that identifies them anymore. And that's kind of at the heart of the original cyberpunk world is this idea of there's no more identity. Even your own personal identity is slowly being replaced piece by piece by cyberware until you don't even have a humanity stat anymore. And it becomes this recurring theme over that. That I did get when I was making my Cyberpunk Red character. Mm-hmm. I did pick up on some of that of just how much you don't know who you are in Night City and no one else does either. Mm-hmm. And, and that is both this like liberating anarchism and also this sort of existential terror that is existing at all times on top of each other.
1: I would say for this game, like I, I had no problem with the character generation system per se, but at some point I just kind of got fatigued with it. So this is, this is a game where I would absolutely play this game once I used a generator of some sort. And if I were to try and GM this game, I would want something that would allow me to collate all of the character skills across the different players and look to see where those pockets and where those misses, those gaps are, so yeah, that I can play like a into them.
0: Scantron punch cards, so I can see where all the circles overlap. Right. Um, I would, as a GM, um, because certainly a lot of my time before COVID uh, was running games for pickup groups at restaurants or online with our Patreon group. So. For Cyberpunk, I would, as a GM, for especially for the very first session, I would recommend the GM just create five prefabricated characters for the players to play so they can try the game play itself. And if they like the setting and they like the gameplay with these rental characters, then... Now that they've been introduced to this world, and maybe you do, you put them on a failed mission where they're all going to die at the end. So then they get a feeling for like how this world works and then they create their own characters after that. Uh, and, And that's a little bit of a backwards way compared to most other games. But for this one in particular, that would be my recommendation is set them on a doomed mission with rental characters. And then let them, if they like this, create their own, either using the templates. Like there's three different options presented in the book. That's like a fast, medium and slow build, uh, which is nice that that option is there. But even with that, it was still quite overwhelming because I don't know what any of it means yet. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it fits into the context of the world. So if you just give me a fixer that is not mine, but is mine for this one shot adventure that I could at least do a job. And see how it plays out. And then after they're all dead and gone or arrested, we then create new characters in the context of actually seeing how it works. So it's apparently actually playing the game is quite simple. Once you've got that, like uh, I was mentioning, you know, you've got, uh, I look to my stealth. My stealth is level two. It's connected to my dex st- uh, stat, which is a six. And I don't have anything on top of it. my base is zero because I don't have any cyberware or equipment that enhances that stealth. So when I do a stealth check in this game, I would take two plus six which would be eight, and I would add that to a D10 roll. That is my – and then and then the GM has either a, – a, if I'm up against a player who's trying to spot me or against security or an environment, they have a number of their own. They roll a D10. They add that number to that D10, and it's just dueling dice. Whoever gets the higher number gets it. And that's quick and simple at least, right? It's not um, – uh, I would – I don't know if in combat, how fast it actually plays out. Like certainly you're still dealing with initiative. You're still dealing with rates of fire and how much damage your your weapons are dealing. But I would hope that the combat is fast and dirty, more like Forbidden Lands and admittedly less like Shadowrun or Dungeons and Dragons, which the the combat can get quite drawn out. But I suspect it's going to be drawn out combat uh, because that's a lot of what is... Favored in this game, and you know, like like the bulk of the rule book is based around combat and not around anything else. So, uh, kind of, I would I would recommend playing a demo session, and then make your characters.
2: I mean, honestly, I, I do think the, um, even if you're doing a demo session, the, the life path thing does kind of get you involved in building your backstory, and I think that was really well done in the book because it did Yeah, it, like 15 minutes you've got a character so that's yeah, not exact. a big and, Yeah exactly.
0: and 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 it's not um it doesn't tell you all of your details it no. gives you prompts like you're from here you can fill in the rest your family yeah. vanished you can fill in the rest
2: it gives you a starting point, especially for new players and people that don't do RPGs. That yeah. is that little bit... Like, I don't play very many tabletop RPGs, but with And that's that something quickly, that Dungeons & Dragons doesn't yeah. have, right?
0: Yeah. And a lot of, like, truly traditional RPGs just do not have. They just, but, like, you get a character with stats, and then um, you're off. And and uh, and if you don't make your own backstory in your own time,
2: you're out of luck. But I, I think that is daunting for players. Like, especially yeah. for me, I'm like, I don't have the time, and I don't have the improv ability to kind of just be like i'm riffing this character right right off the go let's get this going uh but this gave me enough direction to be like okay i can build a story i can in my mind i understand who this character is yeah and at 15 minutes even if you're just taking a template for the rest and the template for the stats that's fine but doing that life path connects you to the character that in a way that i think D or other games like um after the bomb etc we did play that don't have that they yeah they the... make it harder
0: Maybe we'll check in after the bomb in another Session Zero because we didn't really do character creation on tape. And I really, really loved character creation after the bomb because you really create these truly unique mutant Mm -hmm. characters. But you don't know how they fit into that world or why they're in that world. You don't know why they're doing that job. Like, Even if I find the cyberpunk character sheet quite daunting, Mm -hmm. I do know why Access is working in Night City. I know why they ended up as a fixer. I know how, I know that they, they, like, even, like, one of the things you roll is what kind of office do they have? And mine is a booth in a local bar. And so, like, like, that fills in a lot of uh, uh, character into that that character. Like
2: Especially for people that don't know RPGs, having that prompt, having that kind of a little bit of information that kind of brings you into the world helps you set the stage, helps you kind of connect to this character that you've never seen before never created before and even someone new that gives them enough that they can jump in and feel like they're part of that world
0: after doing that from the two of you having gone through this i know we haven't played the game and i know that you know this is this is a very big game to to to, to look into (laughs) after creating these characters though would you want to find would you want to keep playing them after creating these character sheets do you feel like one of the questions I want to keep asking in every session zero is how invested now after this character creation process do you feel like this is your character and would you want to uh, attempt a first session of gameplay now and actually
2: play uh, in this world Um, I'll go first Um, as I said just from my previous statement that because it did give you that kind of life path and did make me feel i was part of this world i want to see where this character goes i want to see does he get his uh fame and fortune by cutting everyone else's throat in the way will this character get ahead or will he just kind of fail in the process and it makes it makes it seem like i'm part of this world even though i'm not and i think that would make me want to kind of see what's next
0: Hmm. velvet
1: I felt invested in the uh, the life path because I got to choose the you know what role I wanted, and then it seemed like that all of the path was conspiring toward that. Even as I used the different templates uh, for the edge runner as as I could, uh, and and really what sold it for me was the uh, the tragic backstory aspects yeah. of it. Uh, I was not really connected to the uh, the skill build, so I I kind of was just randomly going. I don't because like you said, I don't know which ones are going to be needed or not. Yeah. So I'm like, oh let's sprinkle some over here and i also felt like i had a lot of points i could uh, see
0: by like the second session wanting to go back and respect my character because I, like
1: yeah all of this
0: like i don't know how it fits yet
1: yeah, so so I think that I I would definitely give it a chance. I don't know how committed I would remain, and that would depend on on whether it was possible to mulligan the, the some of the skills or something, or or yeah. some of the the buys. Because again, you could you can buy this fancy thing, but I've played so many games where the GM has said, "Okay, you've lost everything in the shipwreck," and now yeah, <laughs> so so you know, as yeah. much as you invested ah, in it. those in those uh, money sinks or whatever kind of sinks they were, it's all moot because now you're in this mysterious world already in a mysterious world
0: yeah exactly and and uh for me for access like yeah i'm kind of interested in this character i i, I feel like there's a lot of mystery surrounding them which is kind of interesting and, and a lot of that i would i would i would think would just end up revealing itself as i would play more i kind of like that like they i know how they make their money when they're not doing crimes mm-hmm. uh like that they're just like a Bookie for local musicians, <laughs> like they just kind of make this kind of money that way. And then, meanwhile, he's also this like underground information broker working for for these different like gangs or runners uh, out doing doing jobs. Uh, so yeah, I you know part of me is like after going through all that and feeling how daunting it was, I was like I would just rather play a video game. Uh, but the other half is you know this is an interesting setting, and like I loved Shadowrun, but the least favorite parts about it were the fantasy elements. I just wanted more of the, 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 the gritty world, which mm-hmm. is exactly what the cyberpunk world does. And so it would be something where I would absolutely give it another shot and, and, and actually try a session and, and see how that plays out. And I think as daunting as character creation was, and it is not like entry level, uh, I do f- suspect, having read through the rest of the book, that the actual gameplay is much more flowing. And part of that is because you've gone through the work with the character sheet to cover your bases in advance. So, you know, there, there, there's a lot of help, uh, for, for new people who are joining, who are creating a character from scratch where you can get prefabricated characters that aren't just simply one template. Like every template has like 10 different variations of it. So even then everyone at the table could make a template of the exact same character and they would still get a different character each time. So that's, that's, that's a bonus and. And then that gives you options to like ramp up the difficulty uh, or how much involved you want to get in the, in, the, in the actual little bits of it. And if you want to go through and, and choose every single point that goes into every single stat and skill, that's an option for you as well. And if that's your jam, like all the power to you. Thanks for joining us, uh, Velvet. I know you've got to get going. You've got some things uh, that you've been doing. Do you want to give a quick plug?
1: Not for this specific thing, but in general, you can find me at Velvet Duke online everywhere.
2: And of course, uh, Brendan, you still got your things going over with uh, CGM, right? I do, yeah. We're still uh, pumping up magazines, websites, videos, all that jazz that exists.
0: Yeah, and uh, I don't know if a listener you are aware, but uh, Brandon lets us post our podcast episode at cgmmagazine.com. So you can go check that out. They've also got their own podcast, uh, uh, Inks and Pixels. Pixels, Pixels and Inks. And Inks. I mean, Pixels Inks and, Pixels, and Pixels, Pixels is cool too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and you can go check out all their content there and, and, and they're always doing good stuff uh, and like, you know, good Canadian Uh, content there Uh, good reporting happening and for you of course listener if you're uh, a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash terrible warriors I will be posting along with this episode these three character sheets that we met so you'll get to know more about Patchwork and uh, uh, Axis and uh, Brandon's character whose name I just uh, slipped my mind Hmm? Revo Moonlight Revo Moonlight yep. uh, so you can, you can also find Revo Moonlight's character sheet on there as well and uh, I will be announcing uh, another game we're doing and of course more spotlight interviews I'm, I'm recording uh, and uh, thanks for joining us for this past hour this was a lot of fun Velvet, Brandon, thank you thank you, thank you. and until we meet again dear listener be good to each other
1: bye bye